Section 27 of Whom We Shall Welcome. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Andy Glover. Whom We Shall Welcome. Report of the President's Commission on Immigration and Naturalization. Part 5. Chapter 15b. Former Membership or Affiliation with Subversive Organizations. At one time, as witness to the Alien Registration Act of 1940, present and former members of subversive organizations were treated alike. However, in the Act of 1952, Congress recognized that former membership in or affiliation with subversive groups or organizations should not be an absolute bar to admission or stay in this country. It made two exceptions. The first is where such membership or affiliation was involuntary or occurred when the alien was under 16 years of age. The second is where membership or affiliation has been terminated for five years and for that period the alien has been actively opposed to such subversive ideologies, and where the admission of the alien would be in the public interest. Each case in this last category must be reported to the Congress. The deportation of former members or affiliates of subversive classes is, as in the case of present members, provided for by the law. However, Unlike present members, former members or affiliates of subversive groups are eligible, under severely limited conditions, to receive discretionary relief by way of suspension of deportation. The problem of past membership or affiliation is obviously a difficult one. If there is merely a severance of formal bonds of association without a corresponding repudiation of sympathetic belief, in the aims and principles of the subversive group, such aliens continue to be threats to our security. A former member who has made a genuine break with subversive ideology offers no threat to our security. Indeed, experience has shown that such converts may represent very stable adherence to the principles of democracy because they are less likely again to succumb to the false blandishments of totalitarianism. The removal of the absolute bar against former and now reformed subversive aliens strengthens our own internal and external security and advances our foreign policy. However, the Act of 1952 contains other important defects. For example, the requirement of five-year active opposition to a formerly held totalitarian ideology, may defeat important objectives of our intelligence and foreign policy agencies. Escapees who come out from behind the Iron Curtain, or defectors from communism elsewhere, may be of vital and immediate importance to our security and defense, as well as to our foreign policy. And yet they must wait five years, although there may be conclusive proof of complete reformation in a shorter period of time. Indeed, 
retention of an inflexible five-year bar against former subversives might seriously impair the Commission's proposals to grant priority to refugees from communism. Chapter 9. The requirement of active opposition to former doctrines misses the point. Most people who have genuinely renounced subversive ideas do not become active pamphleteers, speakers, or professional anti-totalitarians. The genuineness of their opposition to totalitarianism cannot be measured by the loudness of their disclaimers. There is an inconsistency in our laws relating to former membership or affiliation in subversive organizations. The Act of 1952 carries forward the previous law's failure to coordinate the naturalization and deportation directives aimed at former members of subversive organizations. The naturalization law permits the admission to citizenship of former subversives whose membership in the prescribed organization ended more than ten years earlier. But the deportation statute apparently permits the expulsion of such former subversives at any time, even after ten years has expired, since the membership or association with the subversive group terminated. It would seem reasonable to suppose that if a former member of a subversive group is eligible for naturalization after ten years, he should, by the same token, be able to avoid deportation. There are also the grossly inconsistent provisions to the effect that a former member of a subversive organization who actively opposed that subversive organization for a period of five years may now be admitted into the United States, although he was never here before, while a long-time resident alien who thirty years ago resigned from membership in a subversive organization left it and has since actively opposed it, must be deported. The Commission believes that the provisions of the Act of 1952, to the effect that membership in or affiliation with subversive organizations, should not necessarily be a bar to entry into the United States are sound. And the Commission recommends that these same provisions be extended to cover deportation procedures, so that former membership in or affiliation with subversive organizations, genuinely repudiated over a period of at least five years, should not be a ground for deportation. The Commission recommends that the requirement of active opposition should be amended by deleting the word active, thus making its benefits available to all opponents of totalitarianism. The Commission recommends that the requirement of five years opposition should be subject to waiver in appropriate cases, after thorough screening and approval by the appropriate security agencies of the United States. This would make possible the admission of bona fide escapees and defectors. The Commission recommends that the immigration law apply the same conditions to former members and affiliates of all totalitarian parties, whether they were communist, Nazi, fascist, or other such parties. It should be noted, too, that the law requires a finding by both the consular officer and the attorney general that the admission of the alien would be in the public interest, without criteria under which 
in the public interest may be measured. The phrase seems too vague for effective administration. It is quite conceivable that administrative officers might seldom, if ever, find that the admission of a former communist, Nazi, or fascist would affirmatively be in the public interest. The Commission recommends that the law should require a finding that the admission of a former subversive would not be contrary to the public interest. Exclusion without hearing. Security considerations sometimes create special problems in connection with otherwise normal immigration procedures. At least for the past 60 years, an alien has been entitled to a hearing before he can be excluded at a port of entry. However, when the ground for his exclusion involves confidential information, the disclosure of which would be detrimental to the best interests of the United States, there is a conflict between two important values. On the one side is the security of the United States. On the other is the fundamental concept of American law that a person is entitled to a fair hearing before the government takes action affecting him. From at least 1893 until 1941, no alien, not even a subversive, could be excluded without a hearing. In 1941, such provision was made. The Passport Act of 1918 authorized the President in time of war or national emergency to impose additional restrictions and prohibitions on entry into and departure from the United States upon a finding that the interests of the United States so required. The President issued a proclamation on November 14, 1941, reciting the existence of a national emergency and declaring that no alien should be permitted to enter the United States if it appears to the satisfaction of the Secretary of State that such entry would be prejudicial to the interests of the United States. As provided in regulations issued by the Secretary of State with the concurrence of the Attorney General, these regulations authorized the Attorney General to deny hearings when a person is excludable on the basis of information of a confidential nature the disclosure of which would be prejudicial to the public interest. From the evidence before the Commission, including testimony before congressional committees and various United States government briefs in the Supreme Court, this measure was intended to have only limited application. It seems that this procedure was designed to provide a legal sanction for denying access to the United States during war or national emergency only in those special cases where disclosure of the information or the source of the information, on the basis of which the exclusion is ordered for security reasons, would be contrary to the national interest. During the war years, this new procedure was sparingly used. The Immigration and Naturalization Service reports that only a negligible number of aliens were excluded without a hearing. However, with the end of hostilities, immigration to the United States was resumed on a larger scale. In addition, the nation became increasingly aware of the threat to its security by world communism. These two circumstances resulted in an enlarged application 
of the hitherto limited measure of denying entry without a hearing, because of confidential information. Aliens who had been or were associated with communist activities and those suspected of such affiliation were excluded without hearing in substantial numbers at seaports and to a much larger extent at land ports of entry from December 1948 to July 1, 1952, approximately 2,000 aliens, other than seamen, were temporarily excluded without a hearing, and in about 500 cases, the exclusion without hearing was made permanent. The constitutionality of exclusions of aliens without hearing was upheld by the Supreme Court. The Internal Security Act of 1950 provided the first express statutory authority for excluding an alien without a hearing in security cases. Unlike the Passport Act, however, the Internal Security Act of 1950 does not limit the exercise of the power to exclude without hearing to time of war or national emergency. These provisions of the Internal Security Act of 1950 are carried forward into the Act of 1952. The consideration of exclusions without hearing cannot be isolated from the larger problems created by the efforts of the United States to safeguard its security during the current era of international tensions. At many levels in our national life, we have been confronted with the dilemma of attempting to resolve apparent conflicts between our national safety and traditional concepts of freedom. The attempt to discover a precise line of demarcation is a quest that has led us in many directions and has not yet resulted in any satisfactory solution. The Commission believes that the present situation in connection with exclusions without hearing is unsatisfactory. The protection of the right to a fair hearing is essential to a democracy. Any legal process which affects people's rights without giving them a chance to be heard, is ordinarily regarded as being repugnant to the American sense of fair play. It denies a person the opportunity to defend himself against what may be false accusations. It encourages slanders by people whose stories may be generated by malice, misinformation, or the desire for self-advancement. However, in time of crisis, there may be need for extreme measures to protect the national security and even perhaps for some relaxation of our traditional safeguards for individual rights. Under present world circumstances, it may be necessary for the United States government to have authority to bar, without a hearing, aliens whose admission would directly menace the national safety. However, such a power should not be exercised except in the extreme and unusual case where the national security or the lives, welfare, or continued usefulness of our intelligence agents and informants are immediately affected by the fact that the very holding of a hearing will cause disclosure of highly secret information. The officials who have exercised the extraordinary power to exclude aliens from the United States without hearing have been motivated the Commission believes, by a sincere desire to protect the nation. However, there is some public belief 
that this unusual power has been or may be used to excess and without adequate safeguards. And there is some evidence, including testimony of a responsible immigration official before a congressional committee, to substantiate this belief. The law should provide measures to avoid abuse of this extraordinary power and to limit its exercise to those few and rare cases in which the security of the United States is actually involved. The Commission recommends that determination as to whether an alien should be excluded without a hearing on the basis of confidential information should be made by the proposed Board of Immigration and Visa Appeals, recommended in Chapter 10. Each alien affected should, unless the proposed Board of Immigration and Visa Appeals decides to the contrary, receive notice of the nature of the charges against him, and such other information as the Board may determine, after consultation with intelligence agencies, will not prejudice the public interest. Any such alien should have the opportunity, before any such determination is made, to testify and to present in person, or by counsel, any information or evidence or argument he may desire to submit on his own behalf. These procedural safeguards should be incorporated into the statute or in regulations issued thereunder. A determination to exclude without a hearing should be supported by strong and convincing evidence, not mere rumor or unsustained suspicion. It should be reached only after every effort is made to investigate the charges and evaluate the confidential information. It should never be used because evidence is not easily obtainable. In this way, the Commission believes that the security of the United States would be protected and a procedure established to preserve the American concept of fair dealing, non-immigrants. During its hearings, the Commission was advised of the serious problems raised by denial or delays in the granting of visitors' visas to distinguished scientists, scholars, and other leaders in the arts, professions, and business. The Commission believes that no special rule should be made for visitors or non-immigrants who are present members or affiliates of subversive organizations. However, the problem seems to have arisen because of former association with such organizations. In discussing the subject of visas for immigrants who wish to come for permanent residence and who were former members of subversive organizations, the Commission expressed doubt as to the wisdom of a rule in the Act of 1952 which set an inflexible five-year period between renunciation of such membership and eligibility for such visas. There seems to be no necessity for applying such a five-year rule to temporary visitors. If the visa-issuing officers have authority to issue a non-immigrant or visitor's visa to a former member of a subversive organization, without regard to a five-year period of renunciation. Their decisions can be made on the basis of the facts in each particular case. The length of time since repudiation of the subversive ideology, the nature of subsequent opposition to such views, the purpose and length of the proposed visit to the United States, the alien's field of activity and background 
and the character of his sponsorship are all factors relevant in such considerations. Some of the complaints during the Commission's hearings concerning non-immigrant visas relate to administration. It was said that the consular offices are understaffed and cannot act rapidly enough to serve the needs of American universities and other institutions which sponsor and invite distinguished visitors for symposia, conferences, or other meetings. Another suggestion arose out of the embarrassment suffered by leading American institutions which invite foreign guests and make preparations for their reception, only to find that they are refused visas. The Commission was requested to recommend that the law provide a pre-clearance system for professional and scientific persons invited to the United States by universities and scientific or other institutions. The purpose of this suggestion is to obtain a binding commitment in advance from the Department of State that a particular scientist or professor would be issued a visa upon application. In this way, invitations would be extended only to those whose admissibility to the United States was assured, and the embarrassments of the present situations could be eliminated. The Commission believes that this suggestion should be given a trial, unless some more effective procedure is devised. A matter of great importance to the United States is the status of defectors. These generally are official representatives of a totalitarian government, who, while officially in the United States, defect and request asylum here. Such persons normally were admitted only because of their diplomatic status. Having lost such status, the law requires that, as former subversives, they be deported. Temporary arrangements now are made to bridge the gap. If the defection of such former official is genuine, his contribution to the cause of democracy in combating the ideologies which he formerly embraced is usually invaluable according to the highly reliable advice given to the Commission. The law should permit adjustment of the status of such a person so that he may remain in this country and aid in the cause of democracy. The Commission recommends that arrangements be made to expedite the granting of visas to distinguished scientists, scholars, and other leaders in the arts, professions, and business invited to the United States for temporary visits by responsible institutions, and that consideration be given to the inauguration of a pre-clearance system, so that it could be determined in advance whether particular individuals would be admitted as temporary visitors. The Commission recommends that aliens should be permitted to enter the United States for temporary visits, regardless of former membership or affiliation with subversive organizations. If the purpose of their visit is legitimate, and if there is no reason to believe that they will engage in activities inimical to the United States. The Commission recommends that bona fide official defectors from totalitarianism be permitted to adjust their status to permit them to remain in the United States. End of section 27